Daniel chapter 7. Now you notice there's a little, kind of a little timeline chart here. And uh, with, uh, as was alluded to really, with no dates. We've got some dates in the past, but we don't have any future dates. But we're going to, for this week, next week, perhaps the week after that, week after that, I'll be referring to this chart on and off as we move through the prophetic history as it unfolds here on our study. Okay, Daniel 7, 15 through 28 is what we're going to take a stab at this morning. Let's start with uh, 15 through 18. As for, and again, this is the, the interpretation of the vision about the, uh, the beasts, and then it moves from the, the, the four animals, those four beasts, to the kingdom of God that lasts forever and ever. And now the vision is actually going to be interpreted for Daniel, and uh, we'll pick it up here in verse 15. As for me, Daniel, my spirit was distressed within me. And the visions in my mind kept alarming me. I approached one of those who were standing by and began asking him the exact meaning of all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of these things. These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth. But the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Again, I love the way Scripture always emphasizes that fact that the, I'm going to read 18 again, that the saints of the, of the highest one, and you know there are no other saints other than the saints of the highest one, but then making that point perfectly clear here, you know, because it's important, there, there's only one set of saints, true saints, and that's the saints of the one true God, okay? That's imp- important that we just, be mindful of that. And speaking of those saints, they will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever. And then to add emphasis on forever, for all ages to come. <laughs> okay? That means that doesn't leave anything out. Now, back up to 15 where it says, Daniel was alarmed at the vision. My spirit was distressed. Literally means fearfully troubled. And the visions kept alarming him, kept giving him great... Tr- they were just troubling to him. It was a very difficult difficult to figure out and we'll get into I almost got almost distracted myself verse 16 which says Daniel then now in 16 is interjected into the vision where it says I approached one of those who was standing began speaking with him so like he found himself in that very vision okay which is not unusual and then 16 uh, through 18 the again the angel gives a brief description and then the following verses are going to give us a more detailed description. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time up here. Now the main point is actually verse 18, talking about the saints and uh, both words. But there's This section of Daniel, by the way, is, is written in Chaldean, a, a form of Aramaic. And, and <clears throat> Aramaic is very close to Hebrew. I, mean, I, I did the transliteration in English. Kadesh is Chaldean. Kadosh is Hebrew. Very similar. Okay. Um, and both words correspond with the Greek word hagios for holy, saints. Okay. Uh, the word, that's the same word hagios is used for like 
Holy Spirit. That holy is hagios. Saints, hagios. And it's various <clears throat> usages of that word. And then, of course, the kingdom will last forever. Now, again, and this is the this is the one thing that a lot of folks ask. Daniel was the first, seeing that he was the first to get this prophecy. And I just entitled that second little from 19 through 22. You know, what about that fourth beast? You know, you you read about it coming down. You read it about the first beast, second beast, third beast. Then it gets to the fourth beast, and things seem to broaden out, widen out. The descript- description uh, changes somewhat. So let's look at 19 to 22. Then I desire to know the exact meaning of the fourth beast, which was different from all the others, exceedingly dreadful with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured, crushed, and trampled down that, the remainder with its feet." And the meaning of the t- and the meaning of the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn which came up and before it, and which three of them fell, namely the horn which had eyes and a mouth uttering great boasts, which was large, which was larger in appearance than its uh, associates. Then I kept looking, and that horn, that little horn, was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. All right, now. And verse 22, how long did that last? Well, until the Ancient of Days, that same Ancient of Days back in verses uh, 13 or 14, the Ancient of Days, the Son of Man went before the Ancient of Days and then was sent, okay? So it's all, just kind of keep adding little bits of information as we move through. Um, and I kept looking at that horn, was waging war of the saints over him until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was passed in favor of the saints of the highest one, and the time arrived when the saints took possession of the kingdom. Here again, reinforcing that fact. There's, as far as the saints are concerned, while we are on this earth, and prior to that final kingdom coming, there's going to be times of great, great tribulation. You can see it in history past. You can see that in past history. Think of the reformers. Okay? I mean, just as a group, before them, the apostles, the apostolic era, people were, you know, it just it's always been that way. Even in the Old Testament, it was that way. You know, in the book of Daniel, we've got Daniel tossed into the lion's den we had his Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego put into the fiery furnace okay now they they fared pretty well but nevertheless the persecution was there okay the persecution was there um, or at least in Daniel's case and Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego's case it was attempted but the persecution was there and the New Testament era is the same thing I mean Jesus said it perfectly you know and I'll just abridge it they hated me they're going to hate you it's just that simple it's just that simple the world system is just going to recoil and rebel against God's system that's just the way it is I mean there's two places to be in this world you're either under the control of God or Satan there's no third option 
as, as hard as that is to grasp sometimes, that's, that's the truth. We are, we are children of the king or children of the devil. That's just the way it is. As a matter of fact, as was pointed out in a couple of sermons ago by Will, you know, there was a point in time in our life that we were in that camp. Whether we realized it or not, we were in that camp. And by the grace of God, no longer in that camp. Okay? And no matter what goes on in this world, we've always got something to praise God about. That fact alone is enough, or should be enough, when you stop and think about it. Whatever happens in this life, our eternity is secure. Our eternity is secure. Now, move through. It says Daniel... uh, Again, he, re, and he restates that overwhelming power, that fourth beast. You know, in seven, verse 7 of chapter 7, it says, And I kept looking at the night vision, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrifying, and extremely strong, and it had large iron teeth, and it devoured and crushed and trampled down the remainder with, with its feet, and it was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns." Now remember the first beast, one was like a lion, then you had the bear, and you had the leopard. All right, and their animals that they were used animals were used frequently of the first three kingdoms. And you get to that fourth one again. There's no animal here. Somebody naming animal with iron teeth, you know. I mean, you know, it's it's so this is something. This is like some big metal monster, and. Um, that he was that was used to describe that fourth kingdom, and now we get here in the description. Actually, uh, <clears throat> you look at it, and it said of there it had claws of bronze. Now that's a little added piece of information, which I thought was interesting. Especially like bronze was the metal used to describe Greece, which was the nation that preceded Rome. It always strikes me interesting that more so than any other nation, Rome adopted much of Greece, especially the culture. And that's why, you know, through secular history books, you'll, the Roman Empire is often called the Greco-Roman Empire. I know we've mentioned this before, but it's important to point out. So I find that interesting that the, the feet, bronze, iron, they kind of now put them together and... I find it interesting. I'll just leave it at that. I don't like adding things in the white spaces that aren't there, but just, I thought, interesting. And Daniel now asks about the ten horns, and especially that other horn, that little horn. Remember that, that horn that we see in, again, that little, verse 8 says, when I, that the horns of another, the iron, the horn of the little one came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before, and behold, this horn possessed eyes of great and a mouth uttering great boasts. So again, like I say, I nickname him the little horn with the big mouth. Just always telling. There used to be a very famous fellow out there, you say, I'm the greatest, right? That that boast had nothing over this guy. <laughs> this beast, and we know him, we've seen it before. This little horn is in fact uh, refers to the Antichrist that is to come. And uh, we may get into him a lot. We'll, hopefully we'll get into that. We were going to get into him uh, later on this morning. Now, 
When he talks about that horn, verse 20, he goes, uh, and the meaning of the ten horns, he, gets, he says, what about that fourth beast? What, what's the deal with that one? Why is it different? And, then, and two, he says, and what, what's, what does the ten horns mean? Is what, Dan, what is that all about? Um, again, it was alluded to earlier. It's coming back again. He's asking a question. And then it keeps going, and we're going to see that in a minute. I kept looking, and that horn was waging war with the saints and overpowering them. Verse 21. Now, the horns, the other horn. Uh, we saw that in Daniel 7, 8, and 11. The horn will persecute, verse 21, will persecute the saints, but we see in verse 22, the saints will definitely win out. Now, what about the horn and that guy? Let's keep moving. 23 through 27 will give us more information, and we'll dig into the answers there. Now, thus he said, and here, here it comes, the fourth beast which will be the fourth kingdom on earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms, and it will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten horns will arise, and another will, another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. And he will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the highest one and he will intend and he will intend to make alteration in times and in law and they will be given into his hand for a time times and a half a time but the court will sit for judgment and his dominion will be taken away annihilated and destroyed forever then the sovereignty the dominion and the greatness of all kingdoms under the whole earth under the whole heaven will be given to the people of the saints of the highest one. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. Okay. Does that clear it all up? <laughs> okay, let's get some specifics here. Now, that fourth beast, that fourth kingdom. Let's compare, let's go back up to Daniel 2. We're going to see a lot of similarities. <clears throat> Thirty-seven to forty-three, and here's Daniel, <clears throat> who was given the interpretation of the large, the dream of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar had. You, O king, are a king of kings. That's meant in a human sense, not uh, okay in a Jesus sense. <laughs> okay, not that way. You are the king. That means you. you you're a true monarch, true monarch, unlike other monarchs. He was the power of Babylon. When Nebuchadnezzar was alive, he was the power of Babylon. There was no little oligarchy behind him. He was the sole power of that nation while, while he was alive. Then it fell apart after his death. You, king, are the king of kings, whom God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field or the sky, it is given into your hand, and has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. And then it goes in, talks about Medo-Persia and Greece very briefly. And after you will arise another kingdom inferior to you, then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over the earth, over all the earth. Then, and here's where things get bigger, thing, the definitions start expanding. Then there will be a fourth kingdom. As strong as iron, inasmuch that iron crushes and shatters all things, so like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. 
And in it, then, see here, we're now we. It doesn't just stop like it does with the other ones. It's, it it goes on to give us more information. And in that, you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, but it will have all its toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. And as the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. In that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, then they will combine them with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. And so there you have it, and then it goes on and describes the divine kingdom next. Okay, so the similarities are this. Okay, the fourth kingdom is going to be different in this way, more powerful. It'll devour the whole earth. Okay, Rome in that day described is, was described as conquering the entire known civilized world. You get beyond the borders of the Roman Empire, especially, it's just like the outer regions. They're just, they don't really, they didn't in the mind. This, again, this is written for the people of the day who were reading this. So we have to, to properly interpret this. We've got to transport ourselves back into into history as much as we can to establish the historical setting of the readers that got this book that Daniel penned for us. Okay, So to do that, back in their time, and same thing in the first century of the New Testament, back in their time, everything beyond, and then when you get to the Roman Empire, everything beyond the, Rome, the borders of the Roman Empire almost didn't count. I mean, they were just, eh, they were just those people out there. You know, that's why Israel was so important to the Roman Empire. Israel was like the eastern outpost of the Roman Empire. And see, there were still Medes and a few other groups out there. The Persia, there's some Persian groups still out there. You know, he, they didn't go beyond that in that direction. They went more to the west, all the way out to Britain, you know, and those places. So that's why that was so important to Rome, because Rome basically built their empire if you just think on the map where Rome is Israel coming down and then cross the, the top of Africa basically their empire was the Rome, the Mediterranean Sea think of the Mediterranean Sea and the, all the lands around it and even out as far as what we know as Great Britain okay but that was their empire and um, it was bigger and more powerful and what it's talking about that doesn't mean Geographically, they were always exactly alike. Okay, and so the one that's coming, when you talk about that nation geographically, remains to be seen. Israel is there again. You're going to be right in the middle of it. <laughs> you read that in in uh, all the prophetic books. But uh, again, we don't have the. It didn't doesn't give us the exact geography of that fourth empire, or I should say, the second portion. The re. We, we just call it the revitalized form of the Roman Empire. It, it may or may not be called Rome, most likely not. But uh, who knows? I don't plan on being part of it anyway. Um, now, you get down to the ten horns. The ten horns... What verse are you in? 24. And we're just kind of picking through what I just read. And uh, I'll just read it again. As for the ten horns... We know it's different, it's bigger, it's more powerful, bigger and stronger, and 
as for the ten horns. Okay, now those ten horns correspond to the toes of the statue. Ten toes, right? It corresponds to the toes. All right, now, both correspond with the beast described in Revelation 13. And here's where we can start getting a, a time frame on this. Let's look at Revelation 13. And here's why I say, before somebody read, tries to read and understand Revelation, you have to get a, at least some sort of a handle on the prophecies of Daniel. That, makes a, that helps make a lot of sense of what's written in Revelation. And there's other passages that I intend to go through in this series that also... I look at three key understanding at least a good concept of the end times. And again... We don't study and learn prophecy so we can be fortune tellers. That's not the purpose of this. The, the purpose of it is, well, like Revelation said, whoever reads and understands Revelation, there's a big blessing in that. Okay, a big blessing. And you go, how can there be a blessing in all the carnage I read there? Well, the big blessing is, you ain't in it. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> okay, if you understand what's going on. Um, but... Um, but no, I, I just to strip it down to its least common denominator, the big blessing of understanding the book of Revelation, our side wins. It's like scripture says, we are more than conquerors. Why? Because he did it. He did it, and he's bringing us with him. And that's why, you know, we don't have to win this battle. The battle will be won for us. Yeah, it's already in the bag. It's just a matter of time unfolding and running its course. But it's done. The deal's set. It's done. Okay? That's the blessing. Now, Revelation 13, 1 through 7. <clears throat> and he stood on the sand of the seashore, and I saw a beast coming up out of the sea, having ten horns and seven heads, and on his horn were ten diadems. And the diadems are a type of crown that's a crown a king would wear. And on his head were blasphemous names. And the beast which I saw was very interesting here. Think, listen to this closely. Was like a leopard. His feet were like that of a bear. His mouth like the mouth of a lion. Where have we heard that before? Daniel 7, right? And the dragon gave him his power and his throne great authority who's the dragon Satan Satan we know that because it was already described in chapter 12 when we get into this this read into parts of revelation later we'll get back into this again so if you're going you start spinning around a little bit we're going to come we're going to return it's like general macarthur i shall return <laughs> okay we're going to look at this some more because it's a lot. If you if you haven't ever studied it much, it's a lot. If this is like your first or even second time going through this stuff, it's a lot. It really is. It, it can get overwhelming, quite frankly. That's why some people just give up on it. <laughs> they read Revelation. Okay, that's it. You know. And as a matter of fact, you get back into the first century. Guess what's the least copied New Testament manuscript of all of them? The book of Revelation. They didn't understand it a lot back then either. Matter of fact, there was quite an argument for a while to, to even bring it into the canon. Okay, 
So anyhow, so if you feel it's tough, so did our forefathers, okay? Now, verse 3, And I saw one of its heads as if it had been slain, and his fatal wound was healed, and the whole earth was amazed and followed after the beast. We'll get into that later, some other time, but just we're looking at it for a different purpose today. And they worshipped the dragon because he gave us his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who is able to wage war with him? Remember, this is that little horn that's going to wear out the saints. Remember, back in Daniel 7, he's, he's going to persecute them. And verse 5, And there was given to him a mouth speaking great and arrogant words and blasphemies and authority to act. Okay, let me back up. Mouth speaking arrogant words. Remember, he's the little horn at the big mouth back in Daniel 7. Nothing changes in, in Revelation 13. We're describing the same individual. See, that's the point. It's, we're describing the same individual here. And so, and authority, and it gave authority to act for 42 months was given. So, his lifespan of persecuting the saints and shooting off his mouth is going to last 42 months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemies against God to blaspheme, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle that in those and those who dwell in heaven. And verse 7, it was given to him to make war with the saints, to overcome them, and authority over every tribe and people and tongue and nation was given to him. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, everyone whose names has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who had been slain. Does that sound vaguely familiar to... I think of this. Who are the ones that are going to believe in him those whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life who are those whose names are written in the Lamb anybody remember our our study of Ephesians Ephesians 1 Paul opens up by praising God for what remember what did he praise God for for all those who were that he chose in him before the foundation of the world those are the peoples whose names are in the Lamb's book of life what do you, you you go through all through scripture theology doesn't change correct theology <laughs> doesn't change it's consistent it's consistent those of you that are in that um, I haven't been able to make it yet but just a few evenings ago when you were in the, the Wednesday night men's bible study Romans 9. Yeah, it, I mean, it's just, the scriptures are so consistent. So consistent. Okay, now, so, back to Daniel. Everybody fine with this so far? The 42 months, hang on to the 42 months because we're going to make reference to that. <clears throat> now, and we... <clears throat> Another one, that little horn's going to rise, and the other horn, it's in Revelation, will subdue three kings. And apparently what goes on here, you've got this, these ten horns, which is kind of like a ten-nation confederacy. And then 
that's out there. And uh, I remember some people, hey, it's the European Union. Well, yeah, half of me hopes it is. The other half says, let's wait and see. Let's close. Hey, God can throw this whole thing into a four or five hundred year holding pattern if you want. So don't go, you know, and times could be real hard on us too. All right. So one thing I do want to point out, and I'll point it out again, but it just kind of hit me, so I better say it, is that whatever happens in terms of persecution, do not count on the rapture to pull you out of it. There's no guarantee. That, does, that is not a biblical guarantee. And some people teach it as if it is. That is not. That is not. The only thing that is telling us is that we will not be part of the great tribulation. But a whole lot of tribulation has happened on the earth. Um, I can say, I go back to the reformers. Those people tied to the stake and being burnt to death. What kind of tribulation do they think they might be in? That's great tribulation on an individual basis. So there's a lot of, or the people that were thrown into the lions, you know, the arenas in, in Rome, the Christians torn to bits by animals. You think that was, that was no walk in the park. I mean, there's a lot of awful awful persecution to come people are tortured for their faith as we we haven't been here I think our turn in the tank is coming I really do persecution in a, in a lesser degree has already started in this country if you haven't noticed okay where it's going to start it'll start in the, uh, with the where the church it'll start by churches that hold true to the word of God will probably lose your their tax-exempt status. And so we may one day have to start paying property tax, for example, on the property here. And it'll be the world that's going to set the number. So it just beware of things like that, okay? Beware of things like that. It's already happened. Uh, preachers have been imprisoned in Canada for preaching the world. So if you think... Uh, <laughs> You think when it happens here, Canada's a place to run to? Nah. No, they're, worse. They're, they're farther down the road than we are. Same thing with Australia. But anyway, I digress. Now, that other horn, the Antichrist, he will speak out against the Most High. Um, it says that again in Daniel 11. Let's look at Daniel 11. And here we're going to be taking a little brief rundown on the magnificent character of the Antichrist to come. Remember, as we read about the Antichrist, remember what, what John tells us in 1 John? He says, oh yeah, there, there's an Antichrist coming, but, but be aware, there are many Antichrists on the earth. There always has been, and there always will be. You know, um, not necessarily the Antichrist, but many Antichrists. There'll be a lot like him follow that same pattern so 11 36 and 37 and from 36 down here um, it's a discussion of the antichrist there's a description of the antichrist then the king will do as he pleases and he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods and he will prosper until the indignation is finished for which is decreed will be done. For that which is decreed will be done. And he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers or for the desire of women, nor will he show regard for any other god, for he will magnify himself above them all. 
He won't even have regard for pagan gods. Beja says, hey, I'm God. That's, that's him. I'm God. I mean, the, the ultimate arrogance. You know, he denies the, not only the one true God, but all the pagan gods of, of his forefathers and everything else. Again, as it's described here in the time frame of the writing. So any God, false God that's out there, he shoves him aside. I'm the only one. And he demands to be worshipped. <coughs> we, we don't need to go there now, but uh, he will be assisted in his adventures or ventures by the false prophet. And you can read about him, which we will in future lessons in Revelation 13, 11 through 18. There's going to be a false prophet. That false prophet will be some sort of religious leader that's going to arise in that day and will actually do miracles. The Antichrist will do miracles. And we already saw that the Antichrist is going to be energized by Satan himself. The ultimate demon possession, right? You thought the guy in the Gadarenes was strong? This Antichrist is going to be something else. Okay? This is going to be something else. I mean, like I say, I'm very glad I won't be there. And then where it says in verse 25, he will, he will intend to make alterations in the times and in the law. In other words, he will attempt to redefine the laws of God and even nature itself. Does that sound vaguely familiar to our day even? Is there anybody doing that? I find it very interesting. The ones that are telling us to follow science, it's the very group that is abandoning science and, and mutilating science. Like, men can be pregnant. Oh, really? Well, my, my high school biology book said no. <laughs> I mean, that, that frog I dissected said no. No, it's not good. It, no. You are what you are. You are what you're born as. I mean, the, uh, you're an X or a Y. That's it. You know, and, and but look at the nonsense that people actually believe, and to and to speak against it. I'll just use the term they're using. You can get canceled. You get thrown off of the uh, if you're on them. Was it Twitter and all that stuff, Facebook? You know, well, Twitter was run by Tweedly D and Twiddly Dumb, in my opinion. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and anyhow so there, there you go and um, they're going to be given into his hands that let me get back up there verse, whoop, Daniel 7 verse 25 <clears throat> verse 25 and he will speak out against the most high and wear, out the, and wear down the saints of the highest one there's going to be tremendous persecution <clears throat> Although there's going to be a tremendous revival in that time as well, there is. There, um, you, you can see that in the Book of Revelation. There will be a revival, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in the law. And and they, speaking, going back to the uh, saints, they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and a half a time. Now, that equals three and a half years. Time, one year times two years and a half a time three years three and a half okay now why do we say that because a time equals one year we saw that in Daniel 4 16 and 23 where you'll be 
there for a time, and that was a year. Okay? You can look that one up. We'll save a little, a little time here. Um, the Daniel 12.7. Look at Daniel 12.7. Speaking of this very time, <clears throat> and we'll be in Daniel 12. It's somewhere down the road, I'm sure. 12 says, As I heard the man dressed in linen, and he was above the waters of the river, as he raised his right hand and his left toward heaven, and swore by him who lives forever, that it would be for a time, times, and a half a time, and as soon as they finished shattering the power of the holy people, all these events will be completed. Again, so in other words, three and a half years of strong, powerful persecution against the saints of God during that tribulation period. Uh, let's move forward. Revelation 11.2. There's a thing of that. So we've got, earlier we had 42 months. We've got three and a half years. Now let's look at Revelation 11.2. This is again, it's talking about that tribulation period. Again, let me say one more thing. You can see on your chart which is obviously not drawn to exact scale, <laughs> okay? Um, especially when you compare the seven-year period to that thousand-year period. So it's not exact scale, but it just gives you an idea of things. You've got the church age, and we're going to go uh, either in conjunction with Daniel 9 or immediately following, we're going to do a thing on when and why of the rapture. Um, we are now in the church age. You'll have the rapture. And then following the rapture, the tribulation period will start. The tribulation period, which is Daniel's 70th week, which we'll talk about next week, is the tribulation period. The latter three and a half years of that seven-year period is called the Great Tribulation. Okay? That's the Great Tribulation within that seven-year tribulation period, if that helps a little bit. And also, if you do the math, You'll see the, we've already talked times, times and a half a times, three and a half years, which is that in the latter end. We've heard the 42 months, and now we're going to look at uh, Revelation 12.6, and we'll see that period of time described another way. Revelation 12.6 says, And the woman fled into the wilderness, where she had a place prepared by God, so that she might be nourished for 1,260 days. The woman being Israel. Remember, Israel, during that tribulation period, and we're going to talk about that tribulation period starting next week in more detail, because you have to. You have to understand what it's all about. There's so many, there's a variety of things that that seven-year period is accomplishing, okay? Um, but the focus is God turning back to Israel. And this tribulation period is a way that God purges the nation Israel. Right now, Israel is saved like everybody else in the world, one person at a time through the call of God, one person at a time. They're incorporated into the church, and they will be, those saints, those Jewish people that are saints within the church will be raptured along with everybody else. We're talking a whole new batch of people and part of those people are going to be that 100 group. You've heard of them, the 144,000? Not Jehovah's Witnesses. They're, they're 144,000 actual saints. They're going to have a large role to play in that. 
okay? And so here we are now, 1,260 days. That's how long. But the woman, again, part of that group is going to be spared by God. They'll be put off to the side, okay? And um, anyway, when we get there, we'll get there because we gotta, we're going to have to go into this some more. But I just what I'm trying to link together today is the fact that the three and a half years, the 42 months, and the 1,260 days, that equals three and a half years little caveat on the 1260 days and we'll talk about that next week if you run the numbers if you divide that out you're going to see that those are um, 260 day years or 360 days not 365 so if you try to calculate from there up to here we'll talk about next week it uh, makes some very interesting mathematics okay now and I've got to start hurrying here. We see back to Daniel. It says, The Antichrist, that horn, will be annihilated and destroyed. Okay, we've already seen that. And he'll be gone forever. The, and I love this. The kingdoms of the earth will be given over to the saints of the Most High. We're going to see that too when the Lord comes back. And it's the, it describes the nations as, Let's go to Jerusalem. You've seen our verse. Let's go to Jerusalem and worship. We'll be getting into that as we come down. We've mentioned it a little bit before. And again, these verses we'll be revisiting. So I don't feel too bad about breezing through them now. But <coughs> his reaction was interesting. His face grew pale. <laughs> Why? Hey, okay, our side wins. But man, there's a steep human price to pay on the way down the road. It's going to be a rough road. I mean, think about it. I mean, think about in terms of family. That's how Daniel was thinking about it. Your family will be saved forever. But in the process, some mean, evil beast will torture and slaughter your children. Does that give you a good feeling? No. No. You'd grow pale too. <laughs> but that's what, that's what Daniel is saying. My people, my nation is going to be decimated. But we will win. But yet, the decimation is going to hit you. That's reality. That's reality. Yeah. So it hit Daniel. But, and it says here, Daniel, verse, I'll just read, uh, whoop, i got to get back to Daniel 7 if I'm going to do it. Thank goodness for the little ribbon. Okay. 720, at this point, the revelation ended. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts were greatly alarming, alarming me, and my face grew pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Much like Mary, remember when she was overwhelmed with all that information, this young little pregnant virgin girl <laughs> given all this information, you know, she might have been 15 or 16, maybe even younger back then, who knows and when he kept it to him, he says literally he just kept it all in his heart just like Mary, Mary heard the information from the angels, she pondered her heart, back when she heard 12-year-old son then was back talking to the doctors of the church, or the, of Israel, I should say. <clears throat> Couldn't believe it. She just pondered in her heart. You know, it's, it's just so, the information was so overwhelming. She just kept it inside and just wondered about it. You know, just wondered about it. And sometimes you, we read stuff like this, that's all we can do about prophetic things. We can't. And I'm not, don't, you know, if you think I'm going to tell you exactly what every little thing represents there's no way I can do that and I'm not one of those that's going to make stuff up 
I just don't do that. So I have no problem saying, don't know. <laughs> you know, I'd rather say I don't know than say something wrong, even on a trivial point. To me, there is no trivial point. Let's close. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that these things, many of them, really don't have to be totally understood in terms of every little tiny detail. But the detail we do understand, and and I know you want us to understand that you are the God of gods and your kingdom that you gracefully called us into will last forever and ever. And for that, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.